Hello, good morning, welcome to From Every Tribe. I am your host, Jordan, and we are just going to go ahead and jump right into it because I'm not sure how long this is going to take. <clears throat> this is going to take, excuse me. I have not have I have not had anything to drink as of yet. We are going to be talking about the prosperity gospel this week, and it's not going to be a series. I'm just going to go over it this week because it was something that has been on my mind for the last week and just thinking about certain texts that are in the Bible. And we are going to be looking at a couple of them, and so I'm just going to go ahead and jump right into it. The particular focus that I'm going to try and illustrate it <clears throat> is what does the gospel do for us? Does it give us hope and promise in this life with material possessions, or does the gospel rather point us outside of this life, outside of this world, into our next life in the presence of God, and does it give us hope for that? Which is it? It doesn't necessarily have to be one or the other. You could throw in a third option saying that it gives us hope for both of these lives, and both this life and the next. Well, I would agree with that to an extent, but we're going to be looking at what does the Bible stress the most about. when, Whenever the Bible talks about our hope and what we are to do in this life, what does it always point us to? Does it point us to blessing and uh, security and life in this life right now? Or does it rather point us outside of ourselves outside of this life right now does it point us to a hope that we have right now that is to come later when we go into the presence of god the first text we are going to be looking at and i'm going to try and get through this as fast as possible i don't want this to be an extremely long episode we're going to be looking at Philippians 2. I am reading from the English Standard Version. That's probably the version I'm going to be reading from all the time. That's the version I use in my personal reading. Philippians 2. I'm going to read the uh, verse 1 all the way to verse 11. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord of and one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So just to stop there for a second, I stopped at verse 5. We see Paul when he is asking in verse 1, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, he's not asking about the Philippians' um, current uh, life when it comes to their material possessions or their wealth or their health or anything like that. He is concerned about their comfort from love, participation in the Spirit, affection and sympathy. He says in verse 2 that those things, he wants it to complete his joy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love. 
excuse me, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. These are things that we need to have with our brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. And the concern is not about their material possessions and their status, but rather the relationship that they have with one another in love, in unity. And he wants his joy to be completed by their love in unity. His joy is going to be completed by brothers and sisters in Christ and the love and unity they have with one another, not his uh, being released from prison, which is where he's writing from right now. Paul is literally in prison writing a letter, and he is not asking for prayers to be released from prison at this point. That's not his concern. Rather, he is concerned about love and unity among the brethren in Christ. And so we see the focus of Paul right now. He is focused about love, unity, being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. He's saying, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Do not seek after your own selfish ambitions. Do not be conceited. Do not always be thinking about yourself, but rather in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. The thing that we possess in Christ Jesus by faith is this mind of being able to look to others as more significant than ourselves and us being able to be of the same mind, the same love, being in full accord with them through faith in Jesus Christ, the same faith that we all have together. This is what we have in Christ Jesus. Not material possessions, not, not blessings and fulfillment and promises of health and wealth and material things. Rather, we have an internal spiritual reality that we live right now here on earth indeed with our other brothers and sisters in Christ. And we see this in, in the full culmination. We see this perfectly in the person of Jesus Christ. We see this act of counting others as more significant than ourselves perfectly in Jesus Christ because it picks up in verse 6 who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So we see here, in the person of Jesus Christ, Jesus is not taking himself and his joy, in this case, into account here he is rather taking into consideration others as we are supposed to do we are supposed to count others greater than ourselves in the same manner christ himself rather than grasping on to the glory and honor and praise and power that he had on in his heavenly throne before he was incarnate he rather voluntarily laid that aside for us for our sake and so as jesus did that for us we should do that for others and so but the point is here that the 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 prosperity gospel the the idea that we are promised blessing in this life for us as individuals 
uh, of materials and health and wealth and things like that and financial security and all of these other things like that, this flies in the face of it because our purpose with our relationship that we should have with our brothers and sisters in Christ should be to not it should be to not count ourselves greater than others, but we should count them greater than us. And we should be laying aside our pursuits of joy and happiness and fulfillment in material possessions. We should be laying aside those things for the sake of our brothers and sisters in Christ and serving them just as Jesus Christ served us. Jesus Christ fully possessed all of the glory and power in heaven as God fully exercising all of his divine attributes. He chooses voluntarily to lay those things aside for our sake. And so we should do for others as well. We should have that same mind that Christ had, which is ours in Christ Jesus by faith. And so what we have received in Christ Jesus is not a promise of this life being our best life now. It's not a promise of having uh, hell, wealth, uh, financial security, um, material possessions, and uh, lack of lack of struggles in life or anything like that. That's not the promise that we have in Christ Jesus. In this text, we have a promise. We have an affirmation that we have the same mind that was in Christ Jesus by faith. And that same mind causes us to desire to lay aside what we have and what we possess and our skill sets or whatever. And we have the mind and heart in ourselves by faith in Christ Jesus to desire to lay those aside for the betterment and for the sake of others in servitude to them, just as Christ served us by laying aside all that he possessed and by laying aside all that he was exercising for our sake. So I think that's very clear that the focus here is not upon this life, but it's rather upon the focus of others and upon the reality that we have a particular gift that is in Christ Jesus. And that is a gift that looks outside of us, outside of our particular place in life, our particular situations that we're going on in life and whether or not we're going to be freed from those trials or whatever. We rather look outside of ourselves and we look to our brothers and sisters and we say, how can I be a blessing to them? How can I uh, bless them? How can I help them to continue in the faith and continue on to everlasting life? How can I be that person for them? And I think that that is very clear in this particular text of scripture. Okay, now we're going to turn to two texts that correlate with one another, uh, it's going to be Second Corinthians 11. I'm turning to it right now. Second Corinthians 11. I'm going to read a portion from there. Let me find it really quickly. Okay. First, uh, Second Corinthians 11, verse um, 21. 21. I'm going to start reading there. To my shame, I must say we were too weak for that. But whoever, but whatever anyone else dares to boast of, I am speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast of that. 
Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. I am talking like a madman, with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea, on frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, and cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak? Am I not weak? Who is made to fall? And am I not indignant? Okay, so very, very, very clear here. Paul isn't doing too well. <laughs> um, Paul has suffered so much. And in the previous letter that we read from Philippians, he's writing from prison. He is in prison as he is writing that letter. And so what do we do with that in if, if if you have the idea that we are to that, that that being a Christian means that you have promises in this life and uh, promises in this life specifically for material possessions and financial security or health and well your best life now any of those things if that's the promise that you think you have why is it that you think you ha you have that when the Apostle Paul did not have that the Apostle Paul suffered so much for the sake of the gospel. And we are not going to see that this is a mere circumstantial thing or that Paul went about the Christian life wrongly. We are going to see when we look at the text that connects very perfectly with this in Acts chapter 9 that Paul suffering all of these things was actually God's will for him. God had willed that Paul would suffer all of these things for the sake of the gospel because had not Paul suffered these things, the gospel would not have gone out to the world, to the Gentiles, like it did because on all of these journeys, the reason why he suffered all of these things was because he was going all throughout Asia preaching the gospel. He was shipwrecked for multiple days. The reason why he was shipwrecked is because he was going from one city to the next. He was going from one place in Asia to the next in order to preach the gospel. He grew hungry because he lost sustenance because he's on a journey. And back then, you didn't have McDonald's on every corner to be able to stop and get your food whenever you got hungry. All of these things he suffered he suffered for the sake of the gospel, and we are going to see that that was Jesus Christ's plan for him. That was Jesus Christ's will for the apostle Paul. And we are going to see that in Acts chapter 9. I'm going to turn to that very quickly. All right, here, I'm going to start reading in Acts chapter 9, verses 10 through 19. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. Now 
the uh, incident on the road to Damascus has just happened with Paul. Paul had just seen Christ. Christ had just asked him, uh, why are you persecuting me? And Paul asked, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus Christ of Nazareth, uh, whom you're persecuting. And so, and so he just had that experience, and he's blinded by the light that he had seen on that road. Obviously, that light had was Jesus, and so... He needs to regain his sight, and so Jesus Christ had went to a man named Ananias, and he is telling Ananias to go lay his hand on the Apostle Paul, who, not the Apostle yet, he's not an Apostle yet, but who he will be, the Apostle Paul, saying, go lay, his, go lay your hands on him, in order that he might regain his sight. And Paul had seen a vision that this is going to take place. In verse 13, but Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry out my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. <clears throat> so the will... For the Apostle Paul, God's will for the Apostle Paul was that Paul was a chosen instrument of Christ. Christ chose the Apostle Paul to be an instrument to carry out the name of Jesus Christ before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. And in verse 16, for I will show him, I will show Paul, Jesus will show Paul how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Paul must suffer for the sake of my name. That's clearly what Jesus Christ said. The purpose of the life of the Apostle Paul was to suffer for the name of Jesus Christ. And it is through that suffering that the gospel will go out to all of the Gentiles. Thanks be to God that what he did. Thanks be to God for what he did in the Apostle Paul. He had strengthened the Apostle Paul. He had given the Apostle Paul the strength to endure all of those sufferings. The Apostle Paul never backed down or wavered, um, shrinked from preaching the gospel, even in the midst of these sufferings. And as a result, the gospel literally went out to the entire known world at that time. And it was through the means of the, yes, the apostles in general, but through a special means of the Apostle Paul, because the Apostle Paul went out oftentimes by himself to the Gentiles in order to proclaim the gospel. And the very will of God for the Apostle Paul was that the Apostle Paul would suffer for the sake of Jesus Christ's name. And it's the very words of Jesus that the will of that his will for the apostle paul was not that the apostle paul would be uh healthy and without pain and free from trials and just a very easy life his best life now all the way up until he dies and then he goes into the presence of the father with just blissfulness and everything like that in this life and it, no that's not what that's not what jesus christ's will for the apostle paul was it was his will for the Apostle Paul that he would suffer for his, that, that, the, that the Apostle Paul would suffer for the name of Christ. And as a result, now the gospel had gone out through all of Asia because of Paul's work among the Gentiles. And so <clears throat> we see very clearly there that there is no prosperity gospel to be found there. And we can take 
We could take it a step further by just recognizing that all but one of the apostles were martyred. If there was anybody, if there was any Christian in the world who should who should have had their best life, you know, it, if there was anybody, it was the apostles. And all but one of them were, were, were martyred. All but one of them. And the apostle Paul was eventually martyred. And so it, it, it's very clear that the... The promise of this life, this current life that we're living, being what we need to put our hope in and, and uh, being and have us having our best life now rather than laying aside the blessings, that, the material blessings and, and uh, accomplishments that we could have in this life, laying that aside for the sake of pressing on to the kingdom and making our home there and helping our brothers and sisters in Christ continue in the faith so that we all go to heaven together. It's that should be our focus just laying aside this life in servitude to the church in servitude to Christ and to the preaching of the gospel, lay this life aside for the sake of the gospel going out to all the world and for the sake of your other brothers and sisters in Christ helping them and aiding them and strengthening them in the faith by your continual endurance in the faith. And so you all, by one faith in your one baptism, continue in faith unto everlasting life. That is clearly what we are supposed to be doing as Christians. Lay aside this life for the sake of the next. Now, if we move over to Isaiah chapter 53, we see very clearly that God's will. This is now going to the relationship between the Father and the Son. We saw that in Philippians 2, that Jesus did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He did not count the full possession and exercising of his divine attributes that he had of all of his glory and honor and praise that he had in eternity being equal with God. He did not count that equality with God a thing to be grasped, but rather emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. He did that for us. He did that for our sake rather than grasping on to what he possessed for himself. He rather laid it aside for our sake. We now see that whole, we now see the culmination of that being obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross in very vivid description in Isaiah 53. And we see that all of that, the laying aside, uh, the, the uh, not counting equality, we got a thing to be grasped, but emptying himself, laying that aside, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, though he... And then when he was found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. All of that was God's very will. It was God's will to crush him, as we will see in Isaiah 53. Starting at verse 4, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. This is talking about us to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the one who bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. And yet we 
esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he, Jesus, was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Jesus Christ was oppressed. He was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Jesus Christ was submitting to the will of the Father, and the will of the Father, we will see as we continue to read, was to crush him. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for his generation, who considered that he was cut out that who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people, and they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he has done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall proper in his hand. So there you go. The will of the Lord was to crush Jesus. The being pierced for our transgression, being crushed for our iniquities, chastisement being laid upon him, that was the will of the Lord. That was God's will. We see that God's will for the Apostle Paul was that the Apostle Paul would suffer. Now, surely the Apostle Paul's suffering was not to the same end that Jesus Christ's suffering was, not at all going to equate those two, simply pointing out that God's will, that God's will does include suffering. It truly does. And not just for Jesus, but for the Apostle Paul as well. And we could go to many other texts, but in this text, it makes clear that the will of God was to crush Jesus, that there would be suffering. And that suffering would bring about a good thing. It would bring about benefit for others. And we see that in the closing verses of what I just read. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring, he shall prolong his days, the will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. So thanks to the suffering that Jesus Christ endured for us, now the will of the Lord will prosper in his land. There is a good result from the suffering that Jesus Christ endured, which was the will of God, and we see in John in, uh, in John's gospel, Jesus says, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down of my own accord. It was God's will to crush Jesus. It was Jesus's will to submit to the will of the Father, as we see Jesus do in the Garden of Gethsemane. Not my will, but your will be done. If you can, pa if you can pass this cup from me, please do, but not my will, your will be done. 
very clear. Jesus Christ submits to the will of the Father, and the will of the Father was to crush Jesus. It was that Jesus would suffer. And we see that after Jesus Christ rose from the dead, he appoints his apostles. He sends the apostles out with the gift of the Holy Spirit. The apostle Paul comes in and he is now one of the apostles. And Jesus Christ says that the will, that my will for the apostle Paul is that the apostle Paul would suffer much for my name. And then whenever we see the apostle Paul talking about what he wants other churches around all of Asia to do when we see him writing to the church in Philippi. We see very clearly Paul is not pointing those churches to pray for relief out of their out of their poverty because we see in the epistle to the Philippians the church in Philippi was poor, poor, they were poor, yet They were not praying, Lord, make us rich, make us financially secure, our best life now, we've got to have it, this is your promises for us. No, they rather, even in their being poor, they gave, they they gave what little they had for others' sakes. And Paul is commending them, which is why he brings up the unity and love that the that the philippian church has and he says for them to continue to have that mind among themselves and then we see that beautiful passage of jesus being in the form of god he did not count equality with god with a thing to be grasped and so on and so forth and so we see very clearly that the purpose for us christians and the way that we are supposed to live is not it's it's not with our sights set in on this life and uh being having having prosperity and having blessing in this life but rather we need to look outside of ourselves and when we're living in this earth we need to in this life we need to look towards the betterment of our neighbor we need to be in we need to be focused on serving them and building them up and even if we are in poverty rather praying for us being rich or rather praying for us having more money and it's not a bad thing to pray for you having more money it's just rather where your heart is focused on is your heart focused on you just simply having more money for yourself or is it so that you can help benefit your neighbor in your giving of that more money? Not the focus of being able to just be financially secure, not the focus of being able to just eat whatever you want and yet be healthy or being free from trials, being free from uh, uh, problems in this life. Rather than focusing on that, we are told to focus on the betterment of our neighbor and helping them and giving to them being generous with what we possess with them because all that we have is theirs as well in Christ Jesus and we should focus on that and also store our treasures up in heaven as Jesus said we should not be focusing on storing up building up a barn for ourselves in this life where we were store where we will store all of our uh, natu- all of our uh, material possessions and uh, finances and everything like that in the barn so that we can be financially secure and have our best life now. That's not what we're supposed to be focusing on. We're supposed to be looking towards away from this life and we should be pressing on toward our goal enduring to the end so that we may be saved and entering into the presence of the Father where we will receive by faith, where we will receive, no, we, we will receive by sight all that we already have received by faith and we will receive all of the treasures that we've stored up for ourselves in heaven, and we will be freed from the sin that we have committed in this world and the consequences thereof. We will no longer be sinners, 
and we will receive all of our blessings by sight there. But for now, we continue in the faith, endure in this faith, not having our sights set on this earth and not having material blessings and security set on this life. Jesus didn't have that. The Apostle Paul didn't have that. When the Apostle Paul wrote to churches that were suffering in poverty, he didn't tell them to have that. He rather pointed us to, he pointed us to Christ and the person of Jesus Christ and what Jesus Christ did for us, laying aside all that he possessed for our sake, we should do the sake for others. And that is what we should be doing in this life, recognizing that we have a better home. We have a home not made with hands, and we have a Lord there who we have received by faith, and we will one day receive by sight. And so we can look outside of ourselves, outside of this world, and we can press on to that promise and receive it by sight when we finally take our last breath. This is kind of fast. I know I was I talked really fast. I was probably all over the place, but that has just just been just been on my mind this week. Uh, I hope you all enjoyed. My plan is to begin the uh, begin the um, reviewing of the book by Shabir Ali, where he gives arguments against the deity of Christ from the Bible. That's going to take just a little bit more preparation from me rather than just popping open a book and reading it and talking. Um, but thank you all so much for listening. I really appreciate it. You can follow me on Facebook at in, and, and Instagram at From Every Tribe. And thank you all so much for your support. I hope this has helped you in any way. And thanks again. God bless.